smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And we're off and running with a Wednesday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us. We do this show each weekday, live at 11 a.m., complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Some basketball news today. Yesterday we got the release with all the information about the big IU-Arizona basketball game out in Las Vegas, so we'll tell you about that. I know a lot of people want to go to that game. Who, who could think of a better weekend Uh, IU basketball and Las Vegas in a combo, and so we'll share that information with you coming up here in just a bit. Also, getting closer to the start of college football, week two of high school football on Friday night, just a really fun time. We've had some great weather. Let's hope it holds off for week two of high school football on Friday night, but uh, a good time of year in college football, week zero games getting ready to begin, uh, just entering a great time for sports. Once college football and high school football arrive as they are, we are not far away from basketball. So wall-to-wall sports coming up here over the next five or six months. Let's take a look. At the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one will uh, go through our headlines of the day, which includes some news on Xavier Johnson and his legal situation, which we mentioned yesterday. The IU-Arizona game, those details, as I mentioned, coming up in just a bit. Also, a couple recruiting nuggets from the men's basketball side to mention. And uh, former IU quarterback Michael Penix, uh, some good news on him playing out at Washington now. So we'll cover all of those things and more coming up in the first segment. Also, later in the show, segment two, we'll be joined by Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times. We'll talk IU football and basketball today. And then later in the show, Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, will kind of recap week one, get his feelings on some of the local teams, and preview Friday night's week two football games coming up later in the show today. That's the lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. The Thornton's text line is open. That number is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. It's Summer Cash Bash at Thornton's. Each week, one lucky Refreshing Rewards member will win $10,000 all summer with a grand prize of a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. Simply open your Refreshing Rewards app and click on the Summer Cash Bash icon to enter. And that's not all. You can earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Mountain Dew. 20-ounce bottles, hot dogs, Bud Light 12-packs, large Doritos, and many more using your Refreshing Rewards card. It's Thornton Summer Cash Bash, not a Refreshing Rewards member. No problem. Text REWARDS to 80313 today. Let's look at our headlines for this August 24th edition of the program. Indiana Point Guard, Xavier Johnson, who I think is going to have to be a key piece of the team this upcoming season, he pleaded guilty uh, on Tuesday, yesterday, to a misdemeanor, reckless driving, and had a felony charge of resisting law enforcement with a vehicle dismissed, according to court records 
in Bloomington. The plea agreement, it comes with no jail time if Johnson goes through a 360-day probationary period with no further arrest and does uh, 50 hours of community service. And he also is required to pay $185.50 in court costs. So uh, the legal problems, other than some community service and other than keeping his nose clean, appear to be coming to a conclusion for Xavier Johnson, which is good news for that young man. However, as mentioned yesterday on the show uh, with Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier, you know, Mike Woodson hasn't addressed this yet. Uh, He hasn't really had an opportunity in front of the media to be asked about this yet. Maybe he'll talk about it. Maybe he will not. But clearly, you would have to believe that there will be some penalty uh, from the IU basketball program for this off-season arrest of Xavier Johnson. So good for him getting through the legal problems with uh, little to no issue. However, uh, I would be shocked if there isn't some kind of repercussions for him uh, with the team, whether that's a suspension of the first number of games, whether it be 2-4, who knows what that number could be. Uh, That rests in the hands, I'm sure, of IU coach Mike Woodson and perhaps athletic director Scott Dolson based on any policies that the school has. But uh, it's over with legally, but probably – not over with from a team perspective uh, for Xavier Johnson uh, of Indiana for the upcoming year. So hopefully, whatever his issues are, uh, whatever his penalty is from the team, he can serve that early because I do think he uh, has the opportunity to be a really big piece uh, to this Indiana team this season. Also, uh, some IU basketball stuff as well. Yesterday, we found out that the Indiana-Arizona game out in Las Vegas on Saturday, December 10th, is going to be the first East Coast primetime regular season college basketball game on a broadcast network of the season, according to a Fox Sports release yesterday. The game is going to tip off at 4.30 local time which means here in Indiana it'll be a 7.30 Eastern tip on December 10th. And again, it will be televised by Fox. The game is at MGM Grand Garden Arena. And tickets for that event will go on sale uh, this weekend, Saturday, August 27th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, Tickets start at $49, and you can find them at AXS.com. Again, AXS.com. This event that Indiana is participating in is really hosted by UNLV, and there's a third-party group called BG Sports that organizes behind the scenes so many of the non-conference events and tournaments and works with the television networks to get some of these events put together. Uh, But uh, they are hosting it at MGM Grand. I guess the real reason for this is because UNLV is out of their home arena uh, basically for a month because of a rodeo I saw in another story yesterday. So uh, they get some games at MGM Grand, try to schedule some other matchups around it, and I'm sure make it more financially rewarding for everybody involved. There will be a game before the IU game uh, that will start at 1.30 Pacific and 4.30 Eastern on that day. That'll be UNLV and Washington State, and that game will air on FS1. A lot of interest in this game. Indiana-Arizona should be a great matchup early in the season. Obviously, it's part of the big step up that Indiana has taken in their non-conference schedule for the upcoming season, but a lot of fans excited in December around the holidays 
to get away for the weekend or a long weekend and take in Vegas during December and take in a college basketball game. Those things, I think, pair very well together. So I expect that Hoosier Nation will snatch those tickets up uh, when they go on sale. And I think $49, I know the baseline, uh, but the prices, I think, can get pretty steep there, uh, especially in the secondary market. So those tickets will go on sale Saturday for a big, big non-conference game at a neutral site for the Hoosiers coming up this uh, season. Also, IU recruiting, basketball recruiting, a couple notes to mention. Uh, One visitor on campus this weekend, his name is Rally Burgess, and he is from Cincinnati, Ohio. He plays at Sycamore High School, 6'10", and he's in the class of 2024. Had a really good spring and summer. He's already been to IU a few times uh, this offseason and previously, so he's familiar with Coach Woodson, the staff, and the campus, but he will be on campus this weekend for an unofficial visit and Another name to add to your 2024 uh, growing list of young prospects Indiana is after uh, Dink Pate. I love the name, Dink Pate. He's a four-star prospect. He is from Pinkston High School, which is located in Dallas, Texas, and he got an offer yesterday from the IU staff. Pate is six foot seven, and he is ranked 32nd nationally uh, by the 247 Sports overall rankings in the 2024 class. So again, Indiana really expanding its efforts now in 24 and 25 uh, in those classes with some of the younger prospects across the country. This is a feel-good note. A former IU basketball player, Cody Zeller, uh, it was uh, put on social media uh, here just a few days ago, is now engaged to be married. So congratulations to Cody Zeller, a Washington Hatchet product, and I know uh, a, a big fan, or I should say one of the more popular alumni here recently, Uh, of the IU basketball program. Of course, uh, Cody still hanging on with his NBA career. That's great for him, uh, but now getting married. So some good news for Cody Zeller. And also good news for former IU quarterback Michael Penix Jr. It was announced yesterday that he has been named starting quarterback uh, ahead of Washington's first game in the upcoming 2022 season. So good news for Penix. He showed some real glimpses of hope and being special at Indiana had a lot of injuries to overcome and thought it would be best to finish up his college football career elsewhere. Obviously, there was a connection uh, between Penix and the Washington football program, and so best of luck to him the upcoming season. And again, you read all these stories and see it on ESPN every day, every morning, every night. So-and-so school named their starting quarterback, but still – Nothing on Indiana, and we don't expect to get any sort of official announcement on who the starter in Indiana is going to be between Connor Bazelak and Jack Tuttle. Uh, Coach Allen said uh, over a week ago that it's going to be a game-time announcement as far as the program goes. Obviously, the staff and the team will know the decision on the starting starting quarterback in advance. But I think kind of a bummer to not know. I get the point of uh, wanting to be coy, and boy, Tom Allen – a guy that's always been so open and inviting and willing to do interviews and opening up practices in the offseason in the fall camp to media. 
things, as we've discussed on this show, this offseason have been way different for IU football. A lot of unknown about this team because things have been so locked down and because we haven't heard as much from him uh, and around the program and because of so many new faces coming in as well that we think will have to and could play big roles for IU football this season. So uh, again, Illinois, they're in action against Wyoming in week zero. So IU and Hoosier fans, uh, there won't be a lot of surprise about the fighting Illini because we'll we'll see them this weekend. Uh, obviously, for Indiana, the week one game uh, will be their first of the season. That's a look at our headlines for this Wednesday edition of the program. We'll head to a commercial break. We'll come back on IU football and basketball. Plenty to talk about today with Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times. Send in your questions and comments on IU football and basketball to the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this in for... All the small schools never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Wednesday program. The Thornton's text line is always open, 414-1450. Again, 502 414 1450. Uh, Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times is my guest in this segment. We're going to dive into some IU basketball and football. But first, an NIL note uh, that we had in our inboxes this morning from uh, IU, Dustin. IU Student Athlete Leadership Group is going to host what's being called an NIL Mixer event with local businesses. This is very interesting. This isn't really IU Athletics, but they are providing some guidance and space uh, trying to get local businesses in Bloomington and throughout the state involved with athletes from not just men's basketball and football, but all the sports in Indiana to see if some NIL monies and opportunities uh, can be struck for IU athletes. Yeah, obviously they keep seeing... uh that, that you can go a little bit farther than I guess they were. I, I don't think they were, they were originally willing to. It was more of a case of uh, sort of waiting to see what the rules are going to be, seeing what is okay and within bounds, um, and then, you know, using those boundaries to the fullest extent, going as far as you can, um, and, you know, not trying to press those walls necessarily, but, but knowing where they are and, and taking advantage of them. You know, obviously, if they were capable of using Assembly Hall uh, for an NIL event this weekend, then they can use Hinky Hall and, and rent that out. Um, to people who are and basically just for, for use of, of connecting uh, businesses with athletes, as long as that's being rented out uh, and they're not there and, and being the ones that are sort of making the connections themselves, um, you know, then, then you can use university property, uh, apparently, to connect, connect these two dots. Um, so it's, it's a, and then again, just sort of figuring out, okay, how far can you go with this? Because it, it makes sense ultimately, um, you know, to create a meeting space, um, you know, shoot, like where else are you going to be able to bring them all together? Um, obviously, you know, not, not every kid on campus has a car, um, has a place to go or whatever. You can't necessarily go try to get some kind of, uh, civic building or institution or a church or, or whatever to have a, a mixer. 
uh, it makes sense to you thinking and, and put these uh, groups together so you have a better sense of, okay, you know, what do these businesses need in, in terms of marketing? What, what, what value would an athlete have? Um, and, you know, what would, what would the labor be, basically? What, where does that fit? Where does, you know, shooting an advertisement or, you know, taking pictures or whatever, you know, taking photos for use for, you know, a print advertisement, where does that take up? So, yeah, obviously, you know, Indiana is continuing to find out what's within the rules and what's legal and just and making the most of what is. Yeah, no question. Of course, coming off the FanFest event over the weekend, which was also an NIL opportunity for uh, IU basketball players. I know, I guess this stuff is private, so we'll never know unless it's announced what the financial uh, details are. But do we have any idea uh, how the IU players fared over the weekend? I heard attendance was up and uh, that the players definitely made more money off of this event than they did a year ago. But any idea of the details on that? I don't know the specifics. I know uh, our Zach Osterman, who has been really the point man when it's come to all things uh, NIL, um, was. I, I know he was supposed to talk to Eric Pankowski. I don't know if he's printed uh, um, anything from that yet. I don't know if he interviewed him already or was just about to. Um, but uh, that will, if, if it's not in the Indy Star right now, it will be. Uh, and I would think it's private, but they and they don't have to say. But I mean. Let's be serious. You know those guys. If they have the dollar figure, they're going to tell you. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, I, I don't think that's something, you know, like, I, I don't think I'm, I'm stepping out of turn there. They, they, they put on a pretty good, good event. Um, but, you know, they're not necessarily the type that are interested in, in, in keeping good news a secret uh, for them. So I would be surprised if they uh, tried to uh, keep that total private. Because I, I think it's a good number, honestly. I mean, and, and, and like I said, I think they, did, they put on a pretty good event. Um, and they got pretty good attendance, I think, like I said, for, for the end of August for a preseason scrimmage where you're only going to do so much. Um, and again, it's not, it's not an IU event. It's different than Hoosier, Hoosier, actual Hoosier hysteria. Uh, so considering that, considering they were putting it on, obviously on university property and with some level uh, of university cooperation, but not as an official university um, uh, event, uh, I, I thought what they got was pretty good. I mean, there was definitely intense, was definitely in the thousands. I mean, I think they probably were getting halfway up the bowl there. Um, and you know, like, again, try that yourself. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not the same as doing it when you have uh, full university backing and it's an official event and the whole bit. I, I think, you know, they, they put on a pretty good event and got a pretty good draw and, and got some good excitement out of it. Um, so I'd be really surprised if the, the total number uh, isn't pretty good. You tackle on that, you know, the fantasy camp and everything else that they had around. Um, you know, the fan fest, uh, you know, I'm sure that it's a, it is a pretty good number and, you know, on, unless they've got a really good reason to try to keep that private for whatever, you know, um, and, and they might, I don't know, but, uh, I, I would think they'd be the type that would want to share that information. Yeah, I agree. Talking with Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times, another topic I wanted to broach with you today is Xavier Johnson, Indiana point guard. He obviously had the legal issue in the off season. But it looks like that's all coming to a close. Yesterday, he pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor in reckless driving, felony charge, and resisting law enforcement with a uh, vehicle. It was dismissed. Uh, so the plea agreement comes with some good news. No jail time, a 360-day probation period without a further arrest, and he's got to do some community service and pay a very small, really, overall, I thought, court fee. Uh, so with that said, it appears he's made it through the legal process okay. Uh, but I do think at some point we hear from Indiana, from Mike Wood, Woodson, from someone that uh, he's got to miss some games or something, right, at the start of the season? 
I mean, I would think, but he doesn't have to. Um, you know, there's no requirement uh, that that he be. You know, I mean, you you've seen guys not get suspended uh, games for um, you know worse crimes, frankly. Um, so, in, in terms of what he's actually convicted of, what he's actually admitted to, you know, it's ultimately it's reckless driving. It's a bad. It, it, it's you know, class C misdemeanor. Um, but. It wouldn't shock me if he's not suspended, but that being said, considering that obviously Mike Woodson is big on setting culture and, you know, suspended, uh, you know, five players for whatever happened uh, against Northwestern. I mean, if you're going to suspend five guys for what, you know, in every way they've indicated was a curfew violation, uh, how are you not going to suspend a guy any games or do anything whatsoever for uh, doing 90 and 40 um, and then trying to get away with it? Um, you know, ultimately, what you know, like it wasn't ultimately you know, that that the evading charge was dismissed. But I mean, I think you can pretty easily tell that what was uh, alleged in the affidavit, you know, none of that was denied. Um, so ultimately, uh, I, I, I would be really surprised if he. I mean, he has a case to have punishment there. Um, and now, obviously, he might have done something, inter- something internally. Um, you know, obviously, the good part about uh, getting in trouble in April is that you have uh, seven months to redeem yourself um, between then and the opener. Basically, that's about as long as you, you can possibly have to get your punishment out of the way. And, and he might have done so in some way. And maybe Mike Woodson will tell us about that. And maybe he won't. But the next time, obviously, we speak to Mike Woodson, we're going to have to ask him the question and say, are you going to? And if not, why not? Talking with Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times. Xavier Johnson, a fifth-year senior, he uh, came to Indiana last season after some years at Pittsburgh. Uh, so leadership is going to be a big deal for him this season. How important do you rate him uh, for this upcoming campaign? But Trace Jackson Davis and Ray Thompson and some of the longtime returners, what's the importance of Xavier for uh, this next season, this upcoming year of IU basketball? Well, it's really important, obviously. I think just the simple fact, I mean, they've got two real point guards, and, you know, you don't want to – I mean, obviously, it's nice that they have two that they can really, really trust now. Um, um, that, that I, I, I think they would be comfortable in either one of them starting, um, but you can't afford to only have one. Um, so you need, you're, you're going to need both of those guys. And, obviously, I, I think what, uh, you, what you saw Xavier do at the end of last season uh, was really elevate the play of this team drastically. I mean, I think he's, you know, if, if you want to find out, okay, why were they so good in the last, you know, four or five games, you know, kind of the Wyoming game and, and the Big Ten tournament and, and just, just sort of like, you know, beginning in March, why were they a better team? Why are they a more dangerous team? And the reason why is because Xavier Johnson was playing better basketball. Um, and, and that unlocked things within Trace Jackson Davis, you know, basically just getting that pick and roll game going uh, and getting Trace just in motion uh, more frequently and getting downhill uh, and having opportunities to score score as the role man and get, you know, get alley-oops, lobs and whatnot uh, playing that way, that that, that took it to another level. And and just having a guy that has that kind of speed with the basketball, um, when he's making good decisions, he's extremely difficult to guard. And when he's also shooting the basketball well. Um, So you add all those pieces together, it's a big deal. he was one of the best defenders, one of the best perimeter defenders on the team. I mean, there was, you got a lot out of Xavier Johnson when he was playing the right way, um, or, or, or playing, um, measured basketball. Obviously, when he's turning the ball over all the time, he could be a liability. Um, but when he's getting downhill and he's making smart decisions, um, he's really, really difficult to guard. And he makes Indiana, uh, really, really difficult to guard. Um, even, even if, uh, you're not necessarily getting a lot of guys breaking people down, um, on, on the wings, uh, 
Xavier's ability to do that just forces defenses to collapse and opens up uh, open shots. And obviously, Indiana didn't make nearly enough of those. Um, but still, just having that weapon is a big deal. Uh, there are going to be more guys on this team that can make plays on the ba- off the bounce uh, than last year's team. I think that's probably going to be the biggest difference. Uh, Jalen Huchifino can do that. I think Tamar Bates is going to be able to do that. Tamar had a very good uh, performance on Saturday night. Obviously, none of this really counts. Um, but how well he was shooting the basketball I think is really worth noting, and also he was, you know, making plays off the bounce in that scrimmage. Again, not with, uh, you know, really focused defense, but still making plays. So there are going to be more guys that can do that. Uh, but Johnson, I think, is still the best, the fastest guy with the ball, ball in his hand on that team, and that's a big deal. All right, Dustin, I sense a lot of excitement about the Indiana-Arizona uh, game in Las Vegas, and we got a lot of the details on that game yesterday. In fact, it's going to be one of the early, uh, I guess the biggest early season nationally televised games for, on the East Coast, if I've got that correct, according to the release yesterday from Fox Sports. But I think a lot of interest because IU fans know it's a big game, but also how about a long weekend in Vegas with some college basketball and a little Vegas action? Oh, yeah, no, that's for sure. I'm sure everybody, anybody that can afford to go to Vegas is looking for a reason to go. Uh, you know, Indiana playing Arizona is a pretty good reason to, to turn to turn that into a, a, a Vegas weekend. So I'm sure a lot of the, you know, IU does have uh, some West Coast alumni, so I'm sure a lot of those are going to be, a lot of people are going to be interested in that. Uh, has a chance to be a really good basketball game, and obviously on on I think Pacific time it's four thirty, so you can go to that game uh, and get out and hit the casinos afterwards. If you still have, you know, I mean Las Vegas never goes to sleep, so you have all the time you want. Uh, but it makes for all obviously as well an, uh, an interesting game at a good. Um, and they're obviously taking advantage of those uh, mid December uh, television windows, uh, which are which I think are a big deal. I mean that's that's really when you start to see. Um, college basketball take over basically obviously there, there's some you know the, the thanksgiving week and you know acc big 10 challenge when when people really start talking about uh college basketball but you know that that's once the football season is really over and then your saturdays uh you know basically on the networks are are being devoted to college basketball so that's really you know uh, basketball's time to shine um and so indiana is going to be uh you know just on the forefront of that between that game and the kansas game you know iu is going to have uh, uh Get a real opportunity uh, to matter, uh, basically in in the, in the middle part of December. That that is going to be Indiana's time to shine. Uh, when and they're going to have an opportunity to have a lot of people watching them and get a sense of how good they are. And and, and that I think is going to show you just sort of what their uh, what their profile is going to look like for the rest of the year. That's I think how, when a lot how a lot of people are going to judge them is is how they do in those games. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's going to be a big one, a fun one early on out in Vegas for sure. And again, those details announced yesterday. Tickets for that uh, go on sale Saturday. So if if you're a local fan, I know a lot of you are uh, planning to make that trip. You want to jump on those tickets when they uh, go on sale on Saturday afternoon. Dustin Dopirak is my guest. Dustin, I want to get into some IU football with you. Uh, you announced or you wrote a story, I should say, yesterday that Tom Allen uh, has made a decision on who the IU starting quarterback will be week one against Illinois. However, you don't know, and I don't think uh, any of us are going to know unless something leaks out between now and kickoff in that Illinois game about a week and a half from now. Uh, but the decision has been made, and I'm sure final preparations uh, as they get into game week next week will be made with a for sure known starting quarterback, just not to us. 
Right, yeah. I mean, they're obviously going to try to keep that under wraps as much as they can. We'll see. We'll see if we can break it. We'll see if anybody will tell us uh, beforehand. Uh, that's, I mean, obviously would have to be a source that we would feel comfortable, uh, you know, putting that on. Um, but yeah, I mean, they obviously have determined, you know, Alan, you know, was pretty forthright about explaining, you know, his reasoning. Obviously, he wasn't going to get into details, but, but it did say that it was a difficult decision, but he wanted to get it done now, you know, wanted to have uh, about two weeks uh, with a determined starter. So everybody knows who it is. And, and, you know, they're, they're not still in competition going into game week. Uh, basically, they, they want to, you know, they, they want everybody to know who the guy is uh, as they go into actual game preparation, but they don't want Illinois to know. Um, and so it's not so much that they want to hide it from us in particular. Uh, they want to hide it from Illinois. And I, I, I get it. I mean, they're obviously, um, they are buying into the concept of mystery uh, this time. And, I, and so I don't know how much of that is real value and how much of it is sort of um, a mindset, I guess, of saying, you know, we're, we're, we're bucking down ourselves and, you know, we're avoiding distractions and, you know, we're, we're just going to have a bunker mentality. Um, and that's going to ultimately bring to a closer mid unit. I, I don't know what's what here. I mean, I, I guess if you're a coach, you think of it as a much bigger pain. Um, I mean, you, you know exactly how much film uh, study it requires to be ready for two different quarterbacks. Uh, so at the very least, you're being in the pain, a pain in the butt for the defensive coordinator. He has to watch a little bit more film. Um, whether that makes a real impact by game day, who knows. Um, but, you know, that, that's obviously the direction that they plan to go down. I mean, that's a, a reason why they didn't have a spring game um, and certainly never considered, even after not having a spring, spring game, never considered the idea of opening up a scrimmage or anything like that or making that public knowledge. Um, so they are – this is – this is where they're going. You know, they, this is an idea they bought into. They, they've been asked about it, explained uh, their idea. They just didn't say they don't want Illinois to know what they're working on. Don't know, want Illinois to do, know what they're doing. Uh, want to keep as much secret as possible. They feel like it's more justified when you're playing a Big Ten opponent in your first week, um, and it's not. Uh, you know, you're not going to play. You know, somebody from the FCS or whatever, and, and show your vanilla stuff uh, in week one anyway, and you're going to win that game. Uh, it's a game they need to win, and they're looking at it as you know any possible advantage, any any possible nuisance they can be for Illinois as far as a prep. Uh, it, it, from a preparatory standpoint, they're willing to do, uh, and they're going to take whatever value that is because they don't see any value in telling us, uh, which I get. Um, you know, so I, I don't you know understand where they're coming from, but it is what it is, and so we'll see. You know, see who shows up uh, on Friday night. Dustin, Friday night. Dustin, I know that IU has used quarterback rotations in past seasons a lot can happen who knows injuries and other things but um, do you think there's a chance no matter who the actual starter is against Illinois that uh, we could see both guys or are they similar enough where that may not make sense this season unless really needed yeah they're similar enough that it's not really needed I mean Alan has been clear that he wants to have one guy it's not a scenario like you know, I mean, like for it, it, it basically comes down to the only reason you're having a rotation is if one guy is way more athletic than the other guy. Basically, that that's really what it comes down to is uh, if you have a guy that um, if if you have if your best passer and your best runner are two different guys and it's drastic, uh, that's obviously what leads to having a um, a rotation or you don't trust either one of them. Um, and, and I don't think they're at that point, basically they were just like, oh man, we just got to throw somebody in, you know, like I remember just in, in Kevin Wilson days, there were times when it, if, if, it, if a guy was injured, he'd say, you know what, neither one of these guys is a starter. I just have to throw these guys in and, and let them go. You know, basically I think when Trey Roberson broke his arm, um, I think it was his arm. Uh, it was basically like, Hey, you know, like neither Cam Kaufman nor Nate Sudfeld are the starter. So I don't really care whether one of them feels like a starter. I'm just going to throw them in and, and figure it out. 
Um, but, you know, if, if a scenario like if, if Donna McCulley was one of the two guys, and it's a different story because you're getting a lot out of him from a running standpoint, and you could still see Donovan McCulley get some uh, packages where he's running the football. I can imagine some goal line or short yardage situations uh, where McCulley is uh, basically there to be a, a run, a guy with a run option that can, then that can throw the ball just in case so that you can't totally load up on the run. Um, but the difference between Bazelak and Tuttle from an athletic standpoint isn't that drastic. Uh, they both, both move around a little. I, I would probably take Bazelak as a runner. I don't know if he's more athletic, but it seems like when he gets straight ahead, he's got a little bit more uh, momentum to him. Um, so, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's no reason from a stylistic standpoint to have two guys. Dustin Dopierak, the Bloomington Herald Times, my guest. Dustin, finally today, before we let you go, uh, you talk about the importance of the Illinois game, and I, I got to be honest, as I go through the IU schedule and count up the potential wins, the games you think Indiana can win, the games you think Indiana definitely cannot win. Uh, boy, I really come back to that Illinois game as being so important. Not only is it the season starter and can be a momentum game, but uh, it's going to be needed if this Indiana team is going to get to bowl eligibility. I think it's very important that they get this one. I, I get Tom Allen's uh, tightening things down and wanting to keep more secrets and wanting to to make sure that uh, he can uh, protect all he can. This is really, I think, an important season opener for Indiana. Uh, and I'm talking about for bowl eligibility for all the way at the end of the season. I think this game has implications. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it, you you look back at the you look at the schedule now, and especially the fact that the Big Ten East has really related. Um, and so and and so you look at some of these games and you say, okay, if if Indiana is only going to make you know if, if they're going to make modest but not ungodly improvements, uh, how are they going to have any chance in some of these games? I mean, you look at you know Cincinnati obviously lost some dudes, and you know their twenty three ranking is uh, they're up there in part um, because. You know, basically, just because they were that good last year, because they were a playoff team last year, um, but they lost so many of the pieces. They lost Desmond Ritter. They lost, you know, Mark Gardner. Gardner. They lose um, uh, Miles Sanders. I think defensive end Alec Burke. I mean, they, they lost some big time dudes off that team. Um, so you have to presume they're going to come back a ways, but they could still be pretty good. Um, so that's and and Indiana would have to go out and beat them on the road. So so that's a tough one. And you got Michigan, and that's a top ten program. Obviously, they lost some important pieces in the two defensive ends. Uh, in Hutchinson and Ojabo, but they still got some dudes, from, you know, at Michigan. Uh, you know, Penn State lost some players, but I think they're still going to be okay. Obviously, Ohio State's number two and is in that, uh, you know, tier where they're way above everybody. Ohio State looks awesome offensively. Uh, Michigan State's a top 15 team. You know, Penn State's there. So that's, it's really hard not to say that that's five losses off the bat. And Purdue looks good. You know, there's that too. Obviously, Purdue lost some important pieces uh, this off season, but they still have you know probably a top three quarterback in the league in Aiden O'Connell. Um, so that's tough out. And Purdue just whooped them 40-47 last year. Um, so right out of the gate, you might be looking at six losses out of the gate. Like you might probably have to run the table against everybody that you can even conceivably beat. Uh, so that's Illinois, Idaho, Western Kentucky, uh, Nebraska, Maryland, Rutgers, and you know you, you almost have to have all your wins in the bank by October 22nd. Like you have to you have to leave open for the very real possibility that you're going on four in November. Um, there's a, there's a very real shot of that happening. Even though you have to do at home, that that might be a Purdue team that you can't get. 
Um, so, and you're, you're also going to have Michigan and Cincinnati at the beginning. So yeah, you got to get a lot done in September. I mean, you, you need three wins out of September minimum, uh, and you probably need three in October. Um, and so, and so that you can be done by then so that you can already be bowl eligible. So it's, there, there, there's very little margin for error in the games that they have, that, that they have uh, a chance in. Um, for them to go six and six and manage the postseason out of this year. Absolutely, Dustin Dopierak with great stuff for us on Wednesdays. He's the IU beat writer for the Bloomington Herald Times. Dustin, as always, thank you so much for your time and insight. We'll talk with you next week. Absolutely, thanks so much for having me. We'll head to a commercial break. Come back with our final segment here on this Wednesday program. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, will join. We're headed into week two of high school football. We'll break it down and more here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, my guest in this segment. He's always with me Wednesdays, and this time of year we're talking a lot of high school football on the program. Josh, week one was a lot of fun. Charlestown, very dominant, and I think they are the team to watch at least here early in the season and probably have the biggest game coming up this week as they play at Brownstown. However, uh, best performance or two of week one in your estimation? Oh, there were tons, uh, both by teams and individuals. I mean, uh, starting in Charlestown, uh, quite a few kids had good games. Uh, Clay McClellan obviously led the way with uh, uh, his performance. What he, I think he threw for three for three touchdowns and ran for two, something like that. And then, you know, they had the the, the Berkeley kid, uh, sophomore Jaden Berkeley, uh, had a couple interceptions and uh, caused a fumble or covered a fumble and uh, Xander Morse, uh, one of the receivers had a big game as well. So, you know, Charlestown definitely with a uh, uh, very impressive win, but uh, you know, there were, there were several other teams and kids, you know, you look at Clarksville and Robert Lamar ran for 266 yards and four touchdowns uh, uh, became the school's all time leading rusher in the process. And, and then on defense, he had like 12 tackles and, and, uh, forced to fumble so uh you know just a really impressive performance by him and and the generals uh in general in their 41 14 win over scottsburg and then uh you know providence as well with a lot of their offense uh, you know their offense really seemed to be clicking a lot of their kids carter landon uh luke Kruger, you know a lot of those kids have big games uh, offensively so you know, just uh, just a number of, of big performances, uh, impressive performances in week one, that's for sure. I'm sure that Coach Hawkins at Charlestown shudders when he hears this type of discussion, but are we crazy for thinking if Charlestown could beat Brownstown this week, week two of the season, uh, a road game as well, could Charlestown run the table and, and finish the season undefeated? Uh, oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, they can um, If they can get this one, I really, really like their chances of uh, – 
of doing that. You know, obviously it's, it's never, never easy to win, uh, at Brownstown, but, uh, you know, that's, that's the task they have this, this, uh, this Friday night, uh, Brownstown, you know, beat, beat Corden pretty good, 53-28 on Friday night. So, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's an early indication that, that they're, uh, they're not too shabby after going 11 and one last season. So, uh, you know, Brownstown, the the uh, you know, I would say the winner of this game uh, could could uh, will will should win the MSC and then then could run the table and go undefeated in the regular season because Brownstown, you know, went eleven and one last year and didn't lose in the regular season and uh, you know Charlestown if if they can get this one I, I really like the chances of uh, you know rolling for the rest of the rest of the regular season and taking some big momentum into the playoffs. Absolutely. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. A lot of the stuff we talk about uh, you can read at newsandtribune.com and, of course, in the daily print edition of the News and Tribune uh, as well. Other highlights as far as teams go from week one. I know we said after our Monday night preview show a week ago that we had our eye on Charlestown. I was also very interested in New Albany. Uh, and now, yeah, kind of learn, I guess, coming out of that Monday show, uh, based on what Coach Parker had to say uh, and some returning players, some new players, the fact that Jeff did not get a week one game, I've kind of got them on my list of teams to watch here in the area as well. What, what were the, the highlights for you as far as teams you think could maybe put something together as the season go on, goes on from week one of play? Yeah, um, you know, I, I was at, at Clarksville and Province both for a little bit, but you know, both both had impressive victories to start their season. You know, that's 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 good for both of those teams. You know, coming off losing seasons, um, you know, Providence has maybe had two straight losing seasons, I think, but Clarksville's you know had several, so that's that was definitely a big victory for them to kind of get their get their season off on the right foot. And, you know, they have a big uh, big game coming up Friday night at. West Washington, which, you know, just, uh, what, a couple of years ago was in the, uh, class A semifinals. Um, so, you know, this is, this is another big one for, uh, for Clarksville. You know, if they, if they could get this one, you know, they could be 2-0 and heading into a game on September 2nd when they host Charlestown. And then, um, then the next week after that, they, they play at Providence, but, you know, um, Clarksville is, is really hoping for that, uh, to get that winning season. And, you know, they took a good step uh, last Friday against Scottsburg, and they can take another big step uh, this week if they get if they get a win at West Washington. And then uh, Providence, you know, uh, Barstown Bethlehem was preseason ranked, I think, top five in Class A over in Kentucky. So that that was an impressive victory. You know, Brownstown or oh, excuse me, Bethlehem had beat them pretty good last uh, last year. They beat them forty-eight to seven. So to turn around and, and beat Bethlehem forty-eight to thirty-six is it's quite a turnabout, so um, you know they don't play this week. This is the game they're supposed to play Rock Creek, but uh, you know they have a week off, an extra week to prepare for Lloyd Memorial from Kentucky uh, on September second. So um, you know that that'll be interesting to see if they can um, kind of continue this momentum that they got from that season opening win, and then take it into the Lloyd Memorial game because uh, that was only a ten point loss for them last year, and that was at Lloyd Memorial. So you know, and and then um, they would have Clarksville the week after that. So Providence, uh, you know, could definitely get off, but uh, build some momentum here in the early season as well. So those two teams, um, you know, I was I was very 
uh, impressed with as far as getting their victories and, and getting their seasons off to good starts. Lots of interesting things to watch after week one of the regular season. We've already covered Charlestown and Brownstown, how it is likely the Mid-Southern Conference Championship game, which sounds crazy to say in week two, but I just think it is, and I think we all agree on that. Uh, Other games to watch this Friday night, and fingers crossed for more good weather and a continued good start to the season. Oh, man, that was perfect. Uh, Perfect weather last Friday, and uh, hopefully – yeah, knock on wood. If we could have that every week, that would just be uh, that would just be outstanding. Uh, but yeah, yeah, another game I'm I'm uh, anxious to to see is uh, uh, Silver Creek host Salem. You know, both those teams didn't. It's another MSC game, and and both those teams started off uh, not how they wanted to. You know, last week, you know, obviously Silver Creek lost to, to Charlestown pretty good, and then Salem also lost as well. So that. The uh, these two teams always play competitive games. They're always they always seem to be close, and uh, you know this is one that that Silver Creek uh, you know probably needs to to get some uh, you know to get some positive uh, going back into back into things after losing to Charlestown. Um, you know it's a long season, so obviously that that first loss doesn't doesn't make or break your season, but uh, you know. Uh, a victory here against Salem would, would help Silver Creek kind of get some momentum going for the rest of the season. Um, and then uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Jeffersonville. Yeah, we haven't seen Jeff yet, so to see them play at Seymour, I, I'm anxious to see what they do there because you know last year at at, uh, at Blair Field, uh, Jeff was absolutely uh, destroying Seymour in the first half. I don't know what the halftime score was, but uh, you know it might have been. It might have, might as well have been a hundred to nothing. I don't know. It could, but it, but it was uh, it was quite sizable. And then Seymour just came back like crazy in the second half and made a game of it. And so, uh, and then Seymour ended up going on to, you know, obviously go to the sectional championship game and lose to lose to New Albany in, in you know last second. So, it, uh, Jeff, you know, after after beating Seymour last year, they they were just up and down kind of the rest of the year. So, you know. If, I'm anxious to see what they look like coming out of the gate here against uh, playing at Seymour. Uh, you know, they've got, obviously they've got some talent, so uh, we'll, we'll see what Coach Parker's got for the Owls on Friday night. All right, uh, Josh Cook, sports editor of the Seymour, of the News and Tribune. I'm thinking Dylan Wallace, Seymour <laughs> Tribune know, on Friday. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, great, uh, great work. Again, thanks again for your help last Monday with our preview show, Outstanding, and uh, your coverage in week one, great as well. Appreciate everything you do for the area, Josh, and we'll talk with you again next Wednesday. Right back at you, Matt. Thanks so much, and uh, sounds good to me. All right, that's going to wrap things up for this Wednesday edition of the program. Don't forget, if you missed the live version of our show, uh, we're always available as a podcast. You can uh, reach us wherever you listen to podcasts. All you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison, and you'll find us there. Someone sent me the weather forecast for Friday, high of 88, low of 67, maybe partly cloudy, but looks like another beautiful night for high school football here in southern Indiana. We'll have uh, our game of the week, Floyd Central at Louisville Manual, on our sister station, 94.7 FM, on Friday evening. Back with you Thursday at 11 a.m. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.